to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to updates on the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book right podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, along with Eric Smith. We are recording on Friday, November 24th, after the day of eating and eating and eating. <laughs> so much eating. <laughs> How's it going? Not bad, not bad. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, good. It was quiet. I was by myself, so I went to the movie theater and like watched a couple movies by myself. It was great. Oh my goodness. How about you? That sounds perfect. I <laughs> took the baby around for his first Thanksgiving and hung out, met some of the family for the first time. I'm, uh, I'm sure he, he will have many fond memories of it as he is <laughs> eight weeks old. <laughs> You took pictures, though, right? I'm oh, assuming. so many pictures. <laughs> oh, th- that kid's going to have such great photo albums. He's going to be like, why? 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 And then, you know, when he's in his 50s and 60s, he'll be like, I'm so glad I have all those pictures. He better. He better. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been reading? Uh, I've been cheating. I've been reading middle grade books. Is that is that bad? What? No. I know. What have you been reading in middle grade? Uh, so I, I've been trying to read to the baby, uh, even though he's two months old and can't understand anything. Um, I started reading The Wild Robot to him. Uh, it's this cute little book about a, a robot that wakes up on a uh, sort of desert abandoned island uh, and has to navigate the the woods and the wilderness and the animals and figure out what she's doing there. Uh, and it's been really fun because I keep stopping and like skipping over parts that I feel like might be a little too violent for a a two month old. And Mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. though he (laughs) has no idea what I'm saying, so (laughs) (laughs) you could never be too careful though. You know, that's true. (laughs) What about you? I am in the middle of reading a French book that was, it was written in French. And then the author, she lives in the UK now, and she speaks English, so she translated it from French into English, and it's mm. uh, Pig, Piglets Piglets by Clementine Bovai. I'm, I don't know how to speak French, but that's how, I'm going to assume that's how you pronounce it. Um, and it's about these three girls who are, uh, two of them are in 11th grade, and one is in 8th or 9th, and this really terrible boy in the school three years previously had started to... Um, create a list of, like, the ugliest girls in the school. And this third year, these three girls um, sort of team up, and they decide that they're going to take a bike trip from their town to Paris and sell sausages along the way. Mm. It is as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, and it's one of those books that I'm reading, and I'm like, this has to be European humor. I mean, I find it really funny, but it's like I can see it being a little bit of a tough sell for a mainstream <laughs> um, U.S. audience who'd be like, this doesn't make any sense. But as I'm reading it, I'm going, right, it doesn't make any sense. That's kind of why I love it. Yeah. Um, I yeah, guess I've won a bunch of prizes in France, so. Okay. Um, yeah, road trip to sell sausages. Yeah. All right. Yeah. From the three girls voted ugliest in their school. That's but yeah um so that's where i'm at (laughs) since we have a ton to talk about and all of it is sort of random and weird and quirky and also mostly about books except i guess the parts that aren't about books (laughs) should we just (laughs) should we just hop in yeah let's do it all right i will start with our first sponsor before we launch in and that would be not now not ever by lily anderson from wednesday books 
Jennifer E. Smith meets the Fangirl's Guide to the Galaxy in this deliciously nerdy sequel to The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You, inspired by the importance of being earnest. Elliot Gabarouche is packing up her determination, her favorite Octavia Butler novels, and her Jordans, and going to summer camp. Specifically, she's going to a cutthroat academic competition for a full scholarship to Ravik College, the only college with a science fiction literature program. It's going to be an epic summer. And this book is pitched to me, and I, I love this. It's perfect for fans of science fiction, fantasy, and romantic comedies. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it sounds really fun. Yeah, I like Lily's books a lot. Um, I read her first book, and uh, there's actually a blurb for me on the back of it. It is, it's like getting a hug from, like, Comic-Con, you know? Like, if Comic-Con was a person <laughs> uh, and hugged you, that that is what her books are like. They are, they are so much fun. I love that. I think that you should um, consider writing blurbs. Yeah, you know, like, I should do more. Because your blurbs are sometimes better than the Meets ones. <laughs> like this Meets one, I, I know what Jennifer uh, E. Smith is. I love her books. Fangirl's Guide to the Galaxy, I can guess from the title. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't really, really know what that means. Yeah. Um, like on the logical level, I don't know what that means. Meanwhile, a hug from Comic-Con. I get that. I totally get that. <laughs> So do you want to start with our first topic, since this is something you brought up quite a while ago? Yeah, we are going to talk about creative formats in YA books. So um, yeah, I think it was last episode, or maybe, maybe it was the Halloween episode, uh, I ended up talking about uh, The Dead House a little bit by, by Dawn Kurjic, which is a uh, really wonderful book, really dark and really scary, uh, about a, a high school that burns down and a diary that's found amongst the remnants that that sort of... Uh, dishes a little bit what have what might have happened, um, and it's told through uh, newspaper clippings and like uh, interviews and and all kinds of uh, little bits and pieces of ephemera. And I just really really love books like that. Um, you know, I read this interesting thing. I don't know, I feel like it was not too long ago about how uh, teens gravitate more towards physical books than ebooks. Um, which might, mm-hmm. which might, I read that study too. Yeah, that might be a whole episode down the line. Uh, yeah, and I feel like books that are written in creative formats and do really interesting things are, you know, one of the things that I think that maybe helps push that. It makes these books uh, like desirable objects. You know, you want to show them off to people. You want to talk about them. Uh, you want them on your bookshelf. Um, not just kids, but also adults. You know, I like my shiny looking books <laughs> as well. Uh, so I thought we might talk a little bit about some of our uh, some of our favorites and, and, and books that do uh, really unique things that, that make them these uh, desirable objects. Um, I guess I can start with one that I was yeah. looking at as we were prepping for this is uh, Replica by Lauren Oliver. Um, it's this duology that started uh, just last year. The first book came out. Um, the, the most recent one came out uh, just, I don't know, a couple months ago. It's called Ringer. Um, and it's this duology that's told, and I'm going to say dual and duo a lot right now. Uh, it's told <laughs> in this you know, duo point of view, which is a you know, pretty standard common thing in YA. Um, but in this case, each point of view is printed on opposite sides of the pages. Um, so it's like the, the the format looks different. So you you literally like flip the book uh, upside down. I was going to do you have to flip it upside down? Yeah, you have to flip it around oh. <laughs> to read the, the alternating viewpoints. Um, so you can read you can read one girl's point of view, uh, you know, straight through the book and then read the other ones straight through the book. Or you can read them back and forth uh, and still get the same story. Um, it's really, really interesting and really creative. Um, it's about these cloned replicas, hence the title, who escape the facility where they're being grown. Um, 
It's a duology, which feels appropriate here because of the duo POV and the, the, the flipping around of the book. Um, yeah. it's, it's like an exercise, and uh, and I really like it. Um, it also comes with this really gorgeous cover um, that's like this like plastic slip cover that like slides off the book, and like then it changes colors, and it's just you just want to have it on your bookshelf. It's so gorgeous. I've seen it, but I like I got a advanced copy of it and never flipped through it. Mm-hmm. So now I'm super curious about this like back and forth thing. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat. So I'm a I'm a huge fan of books that are written in diary format. Mm. Um, and I should I should put a caveat in there and say when it makes sense because yeah. sometimes it it doesn't make sense why it's done that way. Um, but in the cases where it makes sense, like. These are among some of my favorite, just because they feel so personal, mm-hmm. um, in a in a way that's even like more close to the character in their story than a first person narrative is. And one of my favorites is Gabby, a girl in pieces by Isabel Quintero. It's uh, told in diary format and probably one of the best diary format uh, books that I've read. Oh wow! And it follows it follows the senior year of a girl named Gabby Hernandez and the ups and downs of her father's drug habits. Um, what happens when her friend gets pregnant, and then her own struggle between being the, quote, good Mexican daughter and sort of forging a different path for her life, and how she can have both, like how she can still be uh, a part of her cultural heritage and still also, like, step out of the box a little bit and do things that she thinks that maybe aren't as typical for somebody in her position. Hmm. Um, and, oh, I love this book, too, because she loves to eat. She's a fat girl who loves to eat, and it's one of those things that's, like, super refreshing to read. There's no shame. There's no fear. It's like, man, yeah, it's it's great. I love that she's eating, like, a cheeseburger, and it's not a thing. You know, um, she's talking about how great it is. Oh, that's awesome. Um, which, yeah, you know, and, and that's something I think that sort of epitomizes why it works as a diary. You know, otherwise it's like you're getting the first person point of view, but it's not necessarily the same like, I went and had a juicy hamburger at such and such a place, and Mm -hmm. it was so great, you know. Um, So that would be one that, if anybody hasn't read it yet, should definitely pop on their to-be-read list. What do you you have next? Uh, Let's see. I have, um, well, you know, speaking of diaries and and formats like that, I have uh, Dear Martin by Nick Stone, which recently came out this year. Um, It reminds me a lot about Reading Monster by by Walter Dean Myers, which is another unique format book. where it's it's told in bits and pieces through uh, through scripts, um, it, it's almost laid out like a play in lots of different pieces and letters. Um, it's just really wonderful. It's about a, a teen who's uh, writing letters to Martin Luther King and uh, sort of expressing his frustrations at what's going on in his life. And uh, yeah, just the way it's told through all the different little pieces and, and the, the way it experiments with form is it's just really interesting. It, it makes it a uh, somewhat of a quicker read as a result. Um, but it's just such a really, I don't know, unique experience to get, um, you know, here's some prose. Uh, here's a bit of the text like a play. Uh, here's a bit of the text like a letter. Uh, it jumps around a lot and keeps it really engaging. I need to read that one still. As soon as Sybil's reading is over, like, that's at the top of my pile because everybody's raved about it. And yeah. knowing that it's an alternative format like that makes me really excited, too. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, man, I can't wait. <laughs> so it's... Speaking of, like, letters, uh, another one that I really liked was Roomies by Sarah Zar and Tara Altabrando. It's about two teen girls who, they, um, they're going to be roommates their mm-hmm. freshman year of college. And it's told through emails back and forth between the girls who are getting to know one another and, like, 
coming to sort of talk about what they're expecting in their freshman year of college. And it's just, it was really fascinating, um, really well paced. And it's one of those books that like I would hand to any um, person going off to college their first year to sort of like, you know, you come with all this, I don't want to say baggage, but like you come with all these things um, that have sort of defined who you are in high school. And it's like, this is your fresh start. And um, it's, it's a really interesting look at like, what you bring to a relationship that's brand new versus like how you sort of make yourself into the person that you see yourself as deep inside when you're making those new relationships, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it um, certainly does. You know, because it's, it's a clean slate. It's like, what what do you take and what do you leave? Yeah, it's funny because I feel like that was like an experience for me uh, going away to college where, uh, you know, AOL messenger chat rooms were still fairly popular when I was a teenager. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, same. And like all my friends, you know, when we were gearing up to go to our new college, we would look for uh, chat rooms named after our, our colleges and like try to meet people uh-huh. before we went off. Uh, and that I feel like is a thing that is probably uh, probably a thing of the past. <laughs> oh, we used to have chats. I remember like you would log in at whatever time um, to this chat room and chat. Like, but again, I think like you think that's probably a thing of the past, you know. Um, <laughs> find each other on social media now like yeah. it didn't used to be that easy maybe um, use a you hashtag know, it's hard to find like yeah exactly hashtag or like now people use their names a little bit more frequently than they did um for their screen names and instant messenger names yeah so, let's see what's what, your next one what else um so i, I put down uh miss peregrine's home for peculiar children by ransom riggs um it's a YA novel that has found photographs inside, like actual black and white photos that the author found at, you know, uh, flea markets and, and from collectors and everything. And he sort of uh, wrote the story around them. Um, he actually has a book. Uh, what is, uh, it's like found pictures or, or, or something like that. It's, it's a nonfiction book full of photographs that he found um, that sort of came out a little bit after that. Uh, where he talks a lot more about about his sort of passion for for finding ph- photographs, but the whole series is full of all these found photos that he ins- that he built all these characters around, and it's this really fun sort of X Menish uh, fantasy novel where all the, these kids are in this time loop, and there's a lot of, a lot of quirky things that happen throughout the entire book. But uh, I recommend reading the book, and and yeah, maybe maybe don't see the movie just yet. Reread the book first. <laughs> <laughs> That's a resounding endorsement for the movie. <laughs> um, so one that I was going to throw out, speaking of like images in books, um, Chasing Shadow is by Swati Avasti and illustrated by Craig Phillips does this really cool thing where it's a, it's a novel told in, I think it's two points of view. It might be three, but don't quote me, about um, three teenagers who are involved in a random shooting and it, it goes through sort of the grieving and healing process of um, what happens when somebody doesn't survive, what sort of guilt do survivors have, mm. uh, what sort of obligations do they have to one another since they're bonded over this terrible tragedy. And it tells the story not just through the characters' voices, but there's a whole um, perspective that is a comic done throughout. And it's really neat. It's really oh, neat wow. to see it as not just the the written side, but then the visual side as well, which sort of gets you emotions that you might not necessarily get through the written word. Mm -hmm. It's super well done. It came out a few years ago and I don't think enough people picked it up, but 
hopefully we can get some more people to pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds really good. Um, yeah. And when it comes to photos and stuff, I have another one that I want to talk about. It's the, uh, the unfinished life of Addison stone by Adele Griffin. Um, Oh yeah. I yeah. love that one. The book was awesome. And I feel like this, this is another like underrated book of hers, you know, yeah, like I, I feel I like, agree. yeah, not a lot of people picked it up and like, it's also one of those rare books where like the hardcover design is just as gorgeous as the paperback. Like you're going to mm. like, I'm sorry, listeners, when you go look this book up later, you're going to have a, a hard time choosing between the two. They're both <laughs> really beautiful. Um, but it's this book that's, it's not just photos, but there's interviews and artwork that the, the author actually uh, did herself. Uh, there's journals. Um, it all goes into telling the story of a, um, a teen girl, a street artist who goes, who, who dies, who's gone. Um, and speaking of street artists and unique books, there, there's another one that I, I want to loop into this is um, Your Welcome Universe by Whitney Gardner that mm-hmm. came out um, yeah. earlier this year, I think. Um, it's not told entirely in drawings or anything, but there's a lot of the author's own artwork that supports the story throughout. Um, we get to see the main character's graffiti, because the character in this book is also a street artist, um, as well as the work of the antagonist who's defacing her work throughout the entire story. Uh, so yeah, it's um, two really great books that... Uh, use the author's own artwork to tell stories about, about street artists. And if anybody is super fascinated, like I am about angry girls in YA, like your welcome universe is such a great example of a super angry girl. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, so good. Like the whole time I was just like, I totally get your anger and it's Mm -hmm. so refreshing just to see you be angry and to, to act upon it. It's super cool. Um, I was going to talk about an anthology which, when you think anthologies, you're like, okay, that's, yeah, it's an alternate format, but not hugely. Um, but Sean David Hutchinson has now done two anthologies that have been so unique in how they approach the idea of an anthology that I wanted to talk about them. The first one is one that came out in September, and it's Feral Youth. It's structured sort of like the Canterbury Tales, and that's where it got its inspiration. It follows I can't remember how many characters but they're at a behavioral camp and they've been dropped off three days walk from this behavioral camp and the main character who you get to know is the framing story suggests that they each tell a story and sort of see how they get to know each other through truth and fiction so the idea is that they're going to tell who can tell the best story whether or not it's true and The idea is that sometimes the fiction that we tell is more truthful than the truth that we would tell. And so each of the stories by these different authors stand alone, except they all tie together through this narrator, who is the framing device between each one. It was so good. Um, Just, it's a nice variety of voices in there. It had, um, Justina Ireland was part of it. Stephanie Keene was part of it. Brandy Culver, Suzanne Young, whose story was probably one of my favorites in the collection. Um, E.C. Myers was in it. Just a really smart collection of short stories about truth and fiction. And none of the stories are like super easy reads, but they're all really compelling. Um, That was his second anthology. His first one was Violent Ends, which was about, if I remember correctly, it's been a while. It's about a school shooting and sort of of each of the stories gets into like who the shooter is trying to sort of figure out why he did it and like if there were any signs about why he did it um and that one hard read but super good and it leaves you at the end with sort of like more questions than answers which for me is how a book works 
Yeah, and there's a lot of great authors in that one too. Like Steve Bresnoff is in it, and like he's mm-hmm. he's brilliant. Uh, Delilah Dawson's in that one. Um, I think Beth Revis is in that one. I think maybe. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, that's another. That that one's fantastic. Do you want to throw out another one? Uh I, I think <laughs> I I think I might have talked about all mine. <laughs> oh okay. well, there's there's also well, Illuminae. Um, mm. when we're talking about those um unique formats, much like um. A lot like Replica, where it's um it's by Jay Kristoff and Amy Kaufman. Uh, and I've brought this one up before, but it's like another story in this experimental format where it's uh, told through blotted out letters and classified files. Um, and it's it's another like sort of found, not found, but like um like wanted object of a book because like the slipcover comes off and the slipcover's in orange, and when you pull it off, there's all this text on the um hardcover and like that book and the, then the sequel Gemini, like you want. You want to keep them and take them off your shelf and show them off to people. Uh, and it's just a really exciting, really fun sci-fi book about uh, conspiracies and, and hidden secrets. Yeah, that one had too. That one, um, when they were promoting it really early on and they had the advanced reader copies, the advanced reader copies were in hardcover. That was Which wild I'd never seen before. Yeah. yeah, it was wild. I'd never seen that before. Um, I'm going to talk about one more and... Since we're talking about authors who are totally underrated, um, Susan Juby is one that I don't think enough people have read, and her writing is super funny. Um, it it takes on like really serious, challenging issues, but it has this sense of humor to it that is just I haven't read anything similar to it in much YA. Hmm. Um, and the one that I wanted to talk about was the Truth Commission, which is written as a quote unquote narrative nonfiction story. So it's sort of like a diary, but not. It's a narrative nonfiction um, told from a girl who she's trying to understand why her sister, who's a famous graphic novelist, has decided to come home from college, like out of the blue. Um, So it's sort of unwinding this family mystery, and it's set at a high school for the arts. So you have all the art kids and sort of all of their... um, Unique quirks, Mm -hmm. and Juby does a really great job of making them quirks, not stereotypes. So the whole book is by turns like, okay, so what happened to her sister? Why is her sister home? Why is her family sort of falling apart? You know, paired with like her best friend does really weird things every day at school that are just really funny. Um, And it captures sort of being in that space as a teenager. It's like really hard stuff can be going on, and yet you can still exist in a place where you find humor and everything, you know, um, just a lot of fun. It's a fun one. Yeah. That sounds great. Shall we, speaking of books, like we're just going to talk books the whole time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) do you want to read our second sponsor and then I can introduce us to our next topic? I do. So our second sponsor is the shadow and bone trilogy by Lee Bardugo. Uh, all three books in the New York times bestselling shadow and bone trilogy are now available together in a beautiful paperback box set that includes a collectible poster size map of Leah Bardugo's Grishaverse. Uh, soldier summoner saint follow Alina Starkov through the shadow and bone siege and storm and ruin and rising as she discovers her dormant powers and is swept up in a world of luxury and illusion. As Alina struggles to fit into her new life, a threat to the kingdom of Ravka grows, one that will test old alliances and challenge the very limits of magic, one that will forge a leader from a frightened girl. Uh, the set is boxed together and perfect for holiday giving. Uh, and I, I love that. I, do. I love that so much. Like when you can give a whole set and it's packaged and made really pretty and... 
Yes, I love pretty boxes up on the shelf. Um, and I kind of love that we're going to talk about, like, under-the-radar books after talking about, like, a Titan series. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know Lee Bardugo's Shadow and Bone trilogy has been huge. Oh, um, yes. And it's been really successful, and so many people have read it. And I feel like this year's I, – maybe – Maybe not more than other years, but maybe I just noticed it more this year. It felt like there were a few huge books, and they're all great. Um, so it's nothing against the huge books, but I feel like a lot of the the more under the radar white reads were like super under the radar this yeah. year. Um, but that's so why we we're thought here. we would talk about what's that? That's why we're here, though. Exactly, exactly. We're here to talk about those little underdogs and like why you need to read them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's our introduction is we're going to talk about some of the 2017 YA reads that we've enjoyed, but maybe you haven't picked up yet and we think you should. So we each have four and we'll just kind of go through them quickly. So my first one is The Truth of Right Now by Carolee Cothran. It's about a white girl who dates a black boy and they live, I believe, in New York City. Um, and it's an exploration of racial differences and sort of how their romance works with those really racial challenges um and it, i don't want to say too much more about it but it's the sort of book that if you loved the hate you give or all american boys you want to make sure that you are picking that one up as well nice do you want to go back and forth and i'll say one now yeah yeah go for it awesome so uh we're gonna talk about starfish by kimi don bowman uh, i feel like this is the book that i've been hitting people over the head with like all year long and i just want people to read it so bad um if you follow me on twitter you've you've definitely hear, heard me talk about it um, in it, we meet Kiko, who's a half-Japanese girl that um, isn't really in touch with her background and, and kind of wrestles. Um, well, not kind of. She definitely wrestles with an abusive family life back home. Um, all she really wants is to you know, go off to art school and live the life that she uh, has wanted you know, all her life, the one that she's been dreaming of. But she really has to push past uh, everything that's holding her back, um, not just like uh, struggling with her identity, but also this uh, family life that she has. Um, an abusive uncle comes back home that she has to deal with. Um, so please don't sleep on this. Um, I think it's you know, really the best debut novel of the year. Uh, and it's just a great story of a of family and identity. Um, you're going to cry. There. Are you happy, Kelly? There. There's my book. <laughs> that, that you're going to cry when you read it. <laughs> I read that one and I agree. You'll cry. Um, <laughs> your assessment there is spot on. Um, <laughs> so my next one is Piecing Me Together by Renee Watson. And I've talked about this one quite a few times, but I'm going to talk about it some more. Um, it follows a girl named Jade, who is a poor black girl from Portland, and she earns a scholarship to attend a nice high school on, you know, the other side of the tracks, like in a world that is very different from the one she lives in. Her best friend, who is also poor, is a white girl, um, and the book really explores how different their experiences are in this high school and sort of how much harder it is for Jade and how much more work Jade has to put into her education to still get nothing compared to even her best friend who has nothing but is white. Um, And so the racial differences are are really well done here. But the thing that I love most about this book is that Jade's an artist and art is such a big, important part of her story. And it's just, it's really, you know, I love the art kids. Like they're definitely always underdogs. And I think in this situation, like Jade's art is a way for her to really find her voice and share her voice in a way that in this book just sings. Yeah. Art kid books are amongst my favorite. Did you read, um, the vigilante poets of Selwyn Academy? 
I started it and I never finished it. That's the one where they try to like take down the reality show yeah. that's going on in their school. Oh, I love that book. <laughs> <laughs> I love that title too. Oh my goodness. Uh, let's see. What's another one for me? Um, oh, Cold Summer by Gwen Cole. Um, so I love me some time travel. Uh, and this book's a lot like... It's sort of like a YA time traveler's wife sort of story. Um, it has this teen oh. boy. Yeah. So it has this teen boy who can't stop traveling back in time. Uh, so he keeps going uh, from the present back to World War II. Um, and in World War II, he keeps seeing these friends and these people that he's made these connections with, uh, you know, get killed and get shot. Uh, and then he's rocketed back to the past. I mean, back to the present. Uh, so in the present, he's struggling with this PTSD uh, for something that, no one is ever going to believe him about, you know? Um, so, you know, he ends up, you know, dropping out of high school and is trying desperately to cling to this kind of normal life, uh, that he can't really have because of this condition. Um, and then he meets this girl and the girl sort of unearths, um, some information about what's happening to him, uh, and discovers that she kind of has to do something in order to, to save him. Cause you know, there's only so many times you can go back to World War II where there are lots of people that are shooting things and maybe get shot yourself. So it's a it's just really awesome time travel story with this really great love story in the middle. Um, yeah, it's super underrated, and I want pe- more people to read it. I want you to know, listeners, that there's a note in our um, agenda <laughs> that says, I cried. <laughs> you didn't say that part, but it says it on there, and I feel like you should know that. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Um, my next one is the heartbeats, heartbeats of wing Jones by Catherine Weber, which was a debut. Um, and I wrote for my little description about why you should read it. It's about, um, what happens when wings older brother, who is sort of this golden boy in their community drives drunk one night and kills two people. So wing begins to question what it is that makes somebody a hero as well as how to sort of get out from under the shadow of who her brother was and, who her brother might become in the community now. Mm. Wing herself is multiracial, and there's a lot of stuff that goes back and forth with her grandparents. She has some who are um, from Ghana and some who are from China. And it's a really interesting exploration of being multiracial and and also living in the United States. In This one is set in the 90s in Atlanta during the Olympics. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of going things going on here. Um, Wing begins to run which sort of ties into the olympics and the sports and the athleticism um i've read some really interesting reviews of this one and um you know i i struggle with the idea of own voices only stories for a number of reasons and i think that they're super important and valuable um but some of the criticisms on this one have been about how Catherine is uh Catherine the author is white but her husband is of Asian descent, so I have a feeling that she's done her her research mm-hmm. on this one yeah. um, and put in the work to make sure that her representation is is solid and, and well done. Nice. I'm going to check that one out. Um, so my next one is uh, the library. You would probably cry. What was that? I'll cry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll cry. <laughs> uh, so my next one is uh, The Library of Fates by Aditi Korana. Um, I loved her first book so much, Mirror in the Sky. Um, which I'd kind of rope into underrated 2017 titles too, because the paperback came out, you know, can that count? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so her second book, <laughs> her second book sort of leaves the, uh, the light sci-fi world of that first novel and gets really heavy into fantasy. Um, it's about a princess on the run, uh, trying to find this magical library, um, the library of fates that might have the power to alter her fate and, uh, and save her kingdom, which is, um, 
you know, currently, you know, in shambles. Um, this is really just beautiful, like lush world building fantasy novel that, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people slept on. So let's fix that. Pick that book up. And that one had a really beautiful cover too. Oh, it does. So my last pick is In a Perfect World by Trish Dollar. And it's about a girl named Carolyn who, um, it's the summer before her senior year of high school. And she's really excited to work her normal summer job to stick around with her I think he's her ex-boyfriend at this part. I can't remember if he's ex or they're still together. They've been close for a long time. Um, But her mother gets this dream job to open an eye clinic for those in need in Cairo, Egypt. Hmm. So Carolyn, despite how much she sort of pleads, is being forced to go to Egypt for the summer and also her senior year. Um, And she's just like, she's super bummed about it. And she's also just like, what am I going to do in Egypt? I don't know anybody here. I don't know anybody in Cairo. I don't know what I'm going to do. So she um, also then starts feeling bad because a local man has been hired as a sort of driver and sort of cultural expert for them. He's helping guide the family to settle in. And she feels really bad about it. Like, this makes her uncomfortable to do this. And um, then she meets his son. And suddenly she's fascinated by this boy Uh. who... He's Muslim, so there are a lot of traditions that um, she's curious about, and she wants to ask but doesn't know how to ask, and then when she does, she fumbles everywhere. Like, it's um, it's a romance, so spoiler alert, things work out okay for, for the two of them. <laughs> um, and and I, I've described it as Anne and the French Kiss set in Egypt with a character who, um, she's privileged, and she knows it, and she's called out for it. And, like, Carolyn is sort of messy and all over the place. And yet, like, that's part of the point of the story. It's not about um, this being a lesson book in, like, privilege, but rather, like, it's a love story. Um, And yet you see all these pieces where you're like, man, girl, (laughs) pull it together. Um, But there are characters who tell her that along the way. That sounds good. I haven't heard of that one. Okay. This is great. I feel like I'm getting recommendations too. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> um, so I guess my last one is uh, The November Girl by Lydia Kang. Um, so it's about a girl who lives in Lake Superior, um, but she's not really a girl. She's more of a uh, creature that's that's born of the lake. I was going to say a girl lives in the lake. <laughs> so yeah, she's like a, she's a creature born of the lake. Um, and the reason she's called the November Girl is that she's, she's basically the storm uh, personified of November in, in Lake Superior. Um, so it's, it's, it's a fantasy. It's magical. Um, there's a teen boy who's basically been abused his whole life who uh, ends up connecting with her after he runs away. So there's this really interesting parallel that happens in the story where there's this girl who is she she's like violence personified you know she's she's a storm uh and this magical entity uh and then you have this boy who's you know experienced violence his whole life and it's about the two of them connecting uh and it's just really hard-hitting and lovely and um yeah more people need to read it it just it just came out um did it come out this month did november girl come out in november it might have i Uh, think it did (laughs) No, I remember I got a copy of it and I looked at it because I get a lot of stuff. I don't always get to read it, but I try to at least look at the covers in the description so I sort of know what's going on. Um, But now that you've explained what the book is about, I'm like super interested in it Yeah, it's it's super unique and uh, 
one thing that ended up making me do is that, like, you know, she's she's a, a witch in Lake Superior and, you know, the storms yeah. and the shipwrecks and all that stuff. And if you Google, like, shipwrecks in the Great Lakes, oh, my goodness, it is fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Um, this summer I went up to Bayfield, Wisconsin, which is on Lake Superior, um, and it's where the Apostle Islands are, which is a national park of, um, I think it's 22 islands that are part of the state of Wisconsin, but only one of them is inhabited um, full-time. There are some that can't, people camp on, but one of the big things are the shipwrecks and um, the lighthouses along the islands where people who used to, and they still do to some extent, but certainly not like they used to in the old days, yeah. um, you know, when the, the ships would come through, Um the lights would help guide them through because Lake Superior is super choppy. Like Lake Superior is a, is not the sort of serene great lake that others are. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I, I totally see where this book could work and also like really dig into that setting, which would be, yeah, I'm going to have to pick that one up. (laughs) Yes. I'm laughing because of our next topic. Well, you know, uh, so yeah, speaking <laughs> speaking of shipwrecks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I got to write that down for yeah. show title. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for listeners who may not be as savvy as some of us are, um, the Titanic, the movie featuring our favorites, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, Came out twenty years ago. Oh this my month. goodness! Oh. <laughs> this month being December when you're listening to this. No, it won't be December when you're listening to this. Okay, it came out twenty years ago in December, um, <laughs> and it's having a limited release in theaters to celebrate the twentieth anniversary. And I don't know this or anything because I bought tickets, but just in case you were curious, um, it is playing in theaters again. So that got me thinking a little bit about 1997 and. What a cool year for pop culture that was. Like, I was in, I was at the end of middle school, so what, eighth grade? Yeah. In 1997. And you were, what, high school? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Let's see. So. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Our, you know, like, our YA age, (laughs) our coming of age was in this, like, 1997, great year. So we thought we would talk a little bit about some of the pop culture of 1997 and how they relate to YA books today. I love it. (laughs) So let's start uh, with the obvious. If you like Titanic, the movie, what do you think people should read? Hmm. Why don't you go ahead and start? We're taking this creatively. So, listeners, (laughs) suspend some disbelief here. Yeah, so I would recommend The Lifeboat Click. Um, It's almost like Mean Girls meets Titanic. Um, (laughs) <laughs> mostly because well I guess the end of Titanic because they're on they're on um they're on lifeboat. So a tsunami hits uh <laughs> and there are some teens on a lifeboat. Only um the teens on a lifeboat are like the the most popular kids at the school and the poor protagonist uh definitely isn't uh that. Um <laughs> there's also this great book uh another underrated book that came out like 2 years ago I think uh, called Sweet by Emmy Laybourne. Uh, it's super messed up about a uh, a cruise ship that's full of all these wealthy celebrities who are taste testing a, a sweetener that's supposed to make you lose weight while you eat it. Um, and it turns them into these bloodthirsty zombie-esque kind of monsters. <laughs> it does. It's crazy. And they, they run around, like, attacking each other on the ship. And it's about this um, uh, this, this teen boy who's a... Uh, 
sort of like former uh, reality star type of character um, who's on the ship that who's not eating the sweetener, who falls for this teen girl that's uh, tagged along with one of her friends. Um, that's like this, you know, she's like this plus size girl and she's sort of being pressured to, to try to experiment and eat this stuff, but she doesn't want to because she's kind of happy with who she is. Um, and the two of them, you know, fall for one another and have to navigate all the horrors of what's going on on the ship. Uh, it's this really cool, like horror romance that also has all this really interesting body positivity stuff in it. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I definitely hope more people read it. <laughs> It's it's so crazy to describe that book. <laughs> I know, I, I, but at the same time, like it kind of works, you yeah. know. Um, my my recommendations are my recommendation singular is not that creative, and it's uh, Alan Wolf's The Watch That Ends the Night, and it's an alternate format book. It's a a book of verse, and it's written in some absurd number of voices. I can't remember how many um, of people who are on the ship during the Titanic's. Maiden and Final Voyage. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. And it inclu- yeah, it includes, you know, it, you have your, your wealthy passengers, you have your poor passengers, but it also gives voice to inanimate objects as well as creatures that are on the boat. Um, I loved it. Like, it's a, it, it's a big book. It looks a little daunting, but it's written in verse and in so many voices that you, like, you plow through it really quickly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do the next one? Yeah. So our next one is uh, (laughs) Men in Black. You know, what to read if you love the movie. Um, So my first pick for this one is uh, The Fifth Wave. Um, Mostly because like a big part of that book is you're not quite sure who to trust while you're reading it. Um, You know, is that teen an alien? What about that one? Oh, no. Is that Mm -hmm. teen falling in love with an alien? Um, (laughs) It's it's pretty dark, though. You know, it it pushes more the Independence Day angle than the Men in Black angle. Yeah. (laughs) but, you know, I think the distrust there and, and trying to figure out who's a person and who isn't uh, is really, uh, really interesting. And there's all this fun tension that happens in there. So my mine is like, again, it's it's one of those loose things. Um, first, I feel like I've never seen Men in Black. And yet I also feel like I've seen it all, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I know that it's loosely adapted from a comic. Mm-hmm. And it, when I'm thinking in terms of like themes... And aliens, like I went to Melinda Lowe's adaptation duology, which is nothing like Men in Black, save the alien part. So, um, if aliens are what you're after, Melinda Lowe's adaptation, um, which is also the name of the first book in the duology. <laughs> I also, I also wrote down, and I can't even believe I'm going to share this story, but it's so good. Um, I also put down I'm Number Four by Pitticus Lore. Which, it seems like a ridiculous recommendation. You're like, oh, you're recommending Pitticus Lore. But when I was a teen librarian, my kids loved this book. Oh. And I had this I had this one poor boy who came up to me after book club one day. And he said, can you show me how to friend Pitticus Lore on Facebook? And oh, my heart. I know. I, I looked at him and I said, yes, we'll look for him. And so we did. And naturally, we couldn't find him. Um and I, I couldn't break it to him. I couldn't break it to him that Pitticus Lore wasn't a, a real person because he was just so, like, he loved the book so much. And I was like, you know what? I want to let him continue to have that, like, magic in his life. Oh, you're too good. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> uh, did you have anything for the next one? I do. For Buffy? Yeah, let's do Buffy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, obviously, Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out 20 years ago as well. And go ahead. 
Yeah, so so for my book recommendation for for Buffy is um uh The Rest of Us Just Live Here by Patrick Ness. Um it's actually my favorite book of his. Um I know people really like his his other books <laughs> more, but I I think it's it's my favorite book of his. Um so in in The Rest of Us Just Live Here it's it's telling the story of what happens to teenagers who are sort of living in the world of people that are like Buffy and like, you know, Superman and like these sort of like heroic figures that happen to also go to their high school. Like, what is it like to be that normal teenager and your school keeps getting blown up all the time and vampires keep getting (laughs) beat up all the time? Uh, So it's about a kid that doesn't have any superpowers and like one of his friends kind of has like a little bit superpowers, but not really. And they're just kind of trying to live and navigate a world of these of these people uh and it does this really clever thing where at the beginning of every chapter you get like a little paragraph blip about what's actually happening around them uh like what the heroes are up to you know who's getting kidnapped what villains what's going on with the villains um but it's only like a little little tiny splash and then you get all of the the drama that's happening with the normal kids uh and i just love that because whenever i would watch buffy or any of those shows i would wonder like what is it like for those kids that are like running yeah. out of running out of the building all the time? Like, oh great, <laughs> it's happening again. Uh, and and Patrick Ness uh, does that with this book. So mine is Heroin Complex by Sarah Kuhn, uh, where we get the story of a girl who is second in charge of a superhero team and what happens when she's put in charge. Uh, finally, of combating evil in San Francisco. Mm. And it's the first in a trilogy. I haven't read it, but all the reviews I've read of it have been just what a great, great book it is. So um, I was never into Buffy. Like, I could never get into it. Um, And even, like, growing up, I couldn't get into it. But um, this book actually sounds way more up my alley than (laughs) (laughs) than the luck I had with Buffy, which, you know, no, no harm to anybody who loves it. It's just... Something I couldn't get into. Um, why don't we... Let's see. So a couple of other just, like, fast facts before we wrap up the show with something even more ridiculous than we're doing now. Um, <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres, she came out in People Magazine in 1997. And that got me just thinking a little bit about how far queer YA lit has come since then. Oh, wow, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 20 years, um, which in some ways feels like a lifetime ago, and yet it's really not that long ago. Um, And just how we have gone from coming out narratives, which are still important and still a huge part of queer YA, to having more and more books where the coming out story isn't sort of the the central focus of the main character's journey and story. And then the most important fact I think anybody needs to have about what happened in 1997, which ties in perfectly to YA lit and ties into Hey YA. And that's um, Tyra Banks, legendary author of Model Land. Model Land. Was the first... Model Land. Um, episode two, we do a dramatic reading. Um, she was the first black supermodel to be the solo cover model for Sports Illustrated. Wow. Again, only 20 only years Only 20 ago. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wrote down in my little notes, I'm like, no need to give any book recommendations here because we already know. Yes. (laughs) We already know all about Model Land. (laughs) So, um, we're going to take the last minute or two (laughs) to just do some ridiculous book recommendations based on hits from 1997. So, um, Eric, if you were to recommend a book or two based on the song Fly 
by Sugar Ray. What would you recommend? Uh, I would say Flight Risk by Jennifer Fenn. Um, it's about a teenager who steals planes. Uh, what? It's kind of, yeah, a little like biplanes, <laughs> not like not like actual planes. Um, but it's still, ba- like steal planes? Yeah, it's based on a true story, too, about a, a real kid that did this. Um, I don't know, is it messed up of me to say like Codename Verity? Is that is that... Yeah, maybe it is. I don't recommend it with, with the, the flying song. Um, but yeah, Flight Risk would be a good one, I think. Do you want to throw one out there? Uh, yeah, what about... What would you recommend to go with uh, Barbie Girl by Aqua? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> you know what's funny is every time I saw the cover for this book called Bubble World by Carol Snow, um, I thought of the Barbie Girl song. Oh. And I think that those would make really good rec- like recommendations for each other. Um, the cover of Bubble World, at least the hardcover, and I, I think the paperback too, it's um, Barbie dolls in like a, I can't remember if it's a snow globe or a fishbowl, and it's sort of about that like, plastic <laughs> life. Yeah. Um, I want to give you another one, but you don't have anything written down. I know, you were so much better oh. at this. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you steal one of mine. Okay. Um, do you like that? <laughs> um, how about, I think it's important to to acknowledge that the Spice Girls' first album and their movie came out 20 years ago. Wow. So what would you recommend for fans of the Spice Girls? Uh, maybe that new book, Moxie, by Jennifer yeah. Matthew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The girl friendships and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Do you want to throw one more out and then we can let this this yeah. like nostalgia trip die? What about <laughs> uh, 3 a.m. by Matchbox 20 or, you know, the entire album? <laughs> uh, so um, I saw them in concert a couple months ago. I bought tickets for my friend and I as sort of a like nostalgia, you know, like, oh, yeah. y- you know, we loved this when we were you know, in high school. They are so good in concert. Like that was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of concerts. Um, Rob Thomas and his band, like nonstop energy the whole time. Nice. And yeah, their first, their first album came out 20 years ago and 3am was the, the biggest hit. And as I was looking, it was like yesterday was the 20 year anniversary of that one. Um, and I don't know if you just heard that, but there are cats hissing in the background right now. They're really mad at each other. Um, <laughs> that wasn't me. That was animals. Um, anyway, I would recommend for 3 a.m. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl by Jesse Andrews. Um, because 3 a.m. is about um, cancer, like uh, a cancer patient and sort of the challenges of living with somebody you love having cancer. And so it seemed like a nice uh parallel to jesse andrews book and i guess movie if you want to talk about the adaptation there and that one's pretty good ad- adaptation unlike others yeah. we have mentioned earlier yeah, on I in agree. the podcast <laughs> but anyway um if you're listening still we would love to hear if you have any thoughts on mbop like what would be a great song or um why book to pair with that song or Semi-Charm Life by Third Eye Blind. Oh, yes. We would, I'd love to hear listener ideas on those. And if we get good ones, we can share them in the next episode. Sounds good. I, yeah, I think that's our show for today. Um, thank you for tuning in this week. As always, you could leave feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. And when you leave feedback, you help others find us. 
Um, thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I'm there as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.